You are Locked On Lions, your daily Detroit Lions podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s and Lions fans. It's time for our weekly crossover special here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Corbin Smith for Locked On Seahawks, teaming up with Matt Derry of Locked On Lions. It's been a few years since these two teams faced off, and unfortunately, neither team is going to be going to the postseason. Nothing to really play for from a standing perspective, Matt, but the Lions have been trending in the right direction here as of late. The Seahawks, I can't say that for, but Lions have been playing better football over the last month or so. It seems like they're trending in the right direction in Dan Campbell's first season at the helm. Yeah, they are, Corbin. They're playing much better football as of late. Uh, it's only a two-win team. It's not a very talented team. It's a team that has struggled to score and uh, continues to have issues uh, just getting to 17 points or really to 20 points. Uh, and, and, you know, the quarterback play hasn't been very good. Now there's a question of whether Jared Goff will even play on Sunday with a knee injury after missing last week due to COVID protocols. So we'll have to wait and see. But we know one thing about the Lions, Corbin, is is they're going to battle. They're going to go in to try to win, even though they'd be hurting their draft position if they somehow pulled off the upset Sunday. But it's a team that is trending in a positive direction. But the question and the real test will come next year and the year after is if they can actually win these games that they're in. But again, they've lost, you know, 12 of 15 here with a tie. So it's not like they're finishing the games and actually getting the wins. Well, that's been the same problem for the Seahawks in terms of finishing games, which is so weird to say because throughout the Pete Carroll era, that has really been one of the greatest strengths for the Seahawks. There's been so many close games that it looked like they were going to lose and they found ways to pull off the victory in the end. This year, the ball has bounced differently, and that's why they're 5-10. and 10. They've lost five games by three points or less. If you change the outcome on a couple of those games, we're having a much different discussion right now because the Seahawks would very much be alive in the playoff race in the NFC. But that hasn't happened. They haven't been able to finish games, and that included last week against the Chicago Bears, and they dominated most of the game. That's what's crazy about it is they were up 10 at two different points, should have been up more, but they just have not had that killer instinct this year. And so that's why a game like this going against a Lions team that has nothing to lose, that's been playing hard for its new head coach all year long, it doesn't strike me, even if Jared Goff doesn't play in this game, it doesn't strike me as a game that the Seahawks are going to be able to just come in and just cakewalk through. This is going to be a tough challenge for them with Matt Campbell's team playing as hard as possible for their coach they got some young guys that are playing hungry football. I can't necessarily say that about all the players on Seattle's roster, especially the last couple of weeks when the playoffs were looking pretty dim. And it's just, again, it's weird saying that because this football team has for so long been so good at finishing games, and yet that has really been one of their chronic issues that has hurt them so much this year, falling to double-digit losses for the first time since 2009. You know, speaking of the Bears, uh, Corbin, has anybody ever told you that you look, you look like Matt Nagy? Has I've heard it a few times. <laughs> I, I, I'm, you know, you and I are recording this, uh, uh, and, and we're able to see each other on StreamYard, and uh, you absolutely look like him. I don't know why I wanted to go with that, but let's have some fun with it. Uh, you know, it, it's funny. I want to ask you, 
you know, the Lions have something to play for. Is there talk in Seattle about this being Russell Wilson's last home game? Because to me, that would fire him up and I think would fire up the team because there's no guarantee he's back next year, right? And maybe they finally make that trade that they didn't make last year. And boy, you'd figure he'd want to win that last home game in front of the 12s, right? You would think, and you know, it's it's such a weird dynamic because a couple weeks ago, and of course, Wilson was going to say this no matter what, but said that he wanted to stay in Seattle. The rumors that were out there about the Broncos and Giants uh, as potential trade suitors that he'd be willing to waive his no trade clause for, he said that that was false. And he had a few people in his camp come out, including former Seahawks quarterback Jake Heaps, who's his quarterback coach. He said that it was false. So I didn't expect anything different. I really thought last year was mostly smoke with Russell Wilson. He was just really upset at the end of the season because he wants to be competing for championships. But if he was upset after a 12-4 and season, I can't imagine what he's going to be like after they finish with six or seven wins. I mean, they could lose their next two games and they could finish the year five yeah. and 12. I, I don't know. I don't know how he would react other than trying to force his way out. And there's been speculation about Pete Carroll's future. There's been speculation about John Schneider, the general manager's future, which is crazy because last year there were some teams, including the lions that yes. were putting yes. feelers out there wanting John Schneider and he ended up signing an extension. Pete Carroll signed an extension last year. It's crazy how much things can change in one year. And one of the big problems for the Seahawks has been Russell Wilson's play. Now, he had an injury. He had surgery on his right middle finger, missed three games, didn't look right for three or four games coming back. And he just, he still doesn't look like Russell Wilson out there. He's had a couple of decent games against the 49ers and Texans that they won, but he still not looked like vintage Russell Wilson. So they are certainly entering some uncharted waters here with a frustrated quarterback, whether he wants to admit it or not, uh, this team did not compete for a championship. They were compete, competing for a top pick that they could give to the New York Jets as part of the Jamal Adams trade. I mean, it has just been a nightmarish season in the Pacific Northwest. And unfortunately, a big part of the reason that they've lost so many games, the offense just hasn't met expectations. And a big part of that has been number three. So it feels like this offseason, unlike last year, we could be looking very much at a quarterback change in Seattle, and you might even have a coaching change to go with it. They might just take everything down to the studs. I wouldn't be surprised by anything at this point. They could bring all three of those big guys back, and I wouldn't be surprised. At this point, nobody knows. It, it, it's certainly interesting, and you talk about uh, taking it down to the studs. That's exactly what the Lions have done uh, You know, over this last 12-month period here as we're entering January. You mentioned Dan Campbell before. Everybody, you know, seems to like him, and um, uh, you know, from a personality standpoint, and the whole biting of the kneecaps thing, and, I and everything. That. Oh yeah, I mean, everybody did. And then, to be honest, Corbin, during the season when they were playing some close games and they were healthy, Dan Campbell screwed up a few things as head coach. Whether it was some fourth down calls, whether it was some timeout situations, whether it was some challenge flag situations, um, and and at least he owned it. And he looked like a rookie coach. Lately, as he's taken over the play calling duties from the veteran offensive coordinator, Anthony Lynn, who likely will now not be back next year, Campbell's been running the offense. Um, there's been some flashes. There's been some improvements. You see in the running game. You know, last time the Lions had a running game, that was Barry Sanders. I mean, they have not had a running game since Barry retired in the, in the 90s, so early 2000s. So there's some develop, development there. Their issue has been injuries, the COVID problems. Uh, you know, the best offensive players, Frank Ragnow, TJ Hawkinson, they're not going to play Sunday. They're out. 
their best defensive players, Romeo Quara, Amani Oruarie, Trey Flowers, those guys have been out. And, if, and you know, Oruarie recently, their best corner has been out. So they've been with a, a skeleton crew. I mean, a tight end, they have nobody. They don't have a tight end. If you went, at, went down Woodward Avenue in Detroit and asked anybody who was starting a tight end this week for the Lions, nobody would have an answer because they don't know. I don't know, and I do a show every day about this football team. I think it's Nick Eubanks, who was on the practice squad, who played at Michigan and was a below-average player as a Wolverine. Nice guy, but, uh, you know, Brock Wright, their third tight end out for the year. They had uh, Daniel, uh, uh, Darren Fells earlier in the year. He was, he's gone, and Hawkinson's done for the year. So it's a skeleton crew, but somehow, some way, even though it's the 12s and it's Seattle, my guess is at the end of the game on Sunday, you're gonna, we're going to say, boy, the Lions played hard, but the Lions were scrappy. I just don't know if they're going to win it or not. Yeah, we'll have a chance to break that down more later in the show as we go. We're going to get to some matchups that concern both teams here in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you about Bet Online. They've got you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march towards the college bowl season and pro football playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing new offers available. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks, joined by Matt Derry of Locked On Lions. Let's get to some matchups, shall we? And as you just mentioned, Matt, especially for the Lions, they're missing a bunch of players that they were hoping they would have at the end of the season. They've been dealing with injuries, dealing with COVID. Seahawks have had their own issues with COVID, which honestly, they had been the best team in the NFL at handling this virus up until a couple of weeks ago. They had one player on the COVID reserve list all season going into week 14. Last year, they didn't have a single player, but even this year with this new variant, the Seahawks were not exempt and they've had seven or eight players that have landed on the COVID list. A few of them will be back for this football game. So keeping that in mind, coming up with some matchups might be kind of difficult because there are a lot of guys that we thought might be playing that won't be or they might be. There's just a lot of uncertainty this late in the season. So looking at the Lions on defense, what is one matchup that worries you the most when you look at what the Seahawks have on offense going into this game? Uh, is DK Metcalf going to play? Yes. <laughs> that Well, there you go. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I, I don't know why I've watched some Seahawks games, and you're obviously the expert on them much more than I am, but I, I never understand why I watch a good 10, 15 minutes of a Seahawks game and don't see him touch the football. It, it, it boggles my mind that they can't even run a, a receiver screen or, yeah, something for him just to get him the ball because I think he's that good. Uh, the Lions right now are down to a converted safety and Will Harris playing one cornerback spot. Uh, if he ought to, Malafonwu, a rookie from Syracuse, Mid-round draft pick uh, has been a solid player, but has missed most of the season with injury. And then a bunch of, you know, A.J. Parker and some others, but they're down. You know, they've been down their best corners pretty much all year. Jerry Jacobs, who was UDFA, has played very well. He's out for the year. Jeff Okuda's been out for the year all year. And now Oruarie is out. So one thing that concerns me is Metcalf, one-on-one, um, 
just it just is such a freak of nature that I'm just not sure so, so sure the Lions of anybody that can really guard him. And I and if I'm the Seahawks, I'm I'm throwing fades, I'm throwing back shoulders, I'm getting him the football because I think the Lions will struggle to try to guard him uh, this week. What about you? Well, I've been arguing for weeks that DK Metcalf is not getting enough touches, but really what it boils down for the Seahawks, they have been the worst team in the league with three and outs and time of possession this year. They just aren't getting enough plays and that has killed them all season long. And when you're not getting plays, you can't get the football to your players. And again, Metcalf had a 41 yard touchdown in the first quarter early in the game against the bears. Then I don't remember him touching the ball the rest of the game. It just, it's, mystifying to me I don't understand why they've had that issue this year but I look at the Lions secondary as you mentioned I think man there should be matchups that favor the passing game for the Seahawks but then I look at Charles Harris who's really turned his career around in Detroit had a really nice season and I look at him potentially going against an aging Dwayne Brown on the left side has not had a great year by his standards and on the right side most likely going to be starting undrafted rookie Jake Curhan again and I think Curhan has done a nice job in the three starts he's had the past three weeks. He's held up well, especially in the run game. But his biggest issue has been pass protection, particularly dealing with guys that have some quick twitch off the edge. I worry about Charles Harris against him. And it doesn't matter if you've got advantages on the outside of the deep ball. If your quarterback doesn't have time to throw the ball, it doesn't matter. So to me, that's the biggest issue. The the Lions don't have many guys that can get after the quarterback, but Harris is one that absolutely can. I worry about him being able to dictate the football game, especially going against Jake Curhan on the right side. Yeah, Harris has played very well, Corbin. That's a good call by you. I, I think that he's been a big surprise. Uh, if you want to talk about Aaron Glenn, defensive coordinator, who I think is going to get some head coaching interviews soon. I don't know if it's this year, but it's soon. Guys that have developed and played and, and, and was you know have gotten better, which is what you're looking for when you're doing a, a giant rebuild here. You want guys you want you know, to look and improve to the point where you want them back next year. And the Lions defense was the worst in the league last year, the worst in Lions history a year ago. And so you add Charles Harris to the mix. He's played well. I mentioned O'Ruarie. I mentioned a few, there, there have been some some others that, that you look up and go, man, those guys are going to be keepers for next year. There's not a ton. They still have to make some, some more additions in the offseason. But uh, I, I think that Harris going up against, uh, like you said, a Dwayne Brown that hasn't played well and then, an inexperienced guy on the other side, I think, could be an advantage to Detroit. But, again, Wilson getting out of the pocket, maybe playing in that last home game. Lions aren't great linebacker-wise. Derek Barnes can run a little bit with Russell Wilson, I think. But that's the – Jalen Rees-Maben is another guy that's improved uh, at linebacker. But Wilson getting loose uh, certainly would, would concern me if I'm the Lions as well. Let's look at it from the other side of the coin now. When the Seahawks are on defense going up against the Lions on offense, as you mentioned, a lot of uncertainty. You don't even know who's going to be under center this week for the Lions. But what worries you the most about the Seahawks' defense going into this game? I, I Like I said, I've watched a little bit of the Seahawks here, and that defense is just what, – what happened? I mean, my gosh, the Legion of Boom. And I, I know you traded for Jamal Adams and then signed him to that ridiculous deal. Um, but I, I, I don't see a defense that, that – concerns me much at all. And then I watched the Bears get chunks on them last week uh, on drives that obviously they needed with Nick Foles and then on the ground. I, I, but I'll go the opposite way. I think the Lions can run the football this weekend. Uh, obviously, Bobby Wagner is, is a stud and uh, one of the greatest linebackers, I think, to ever play the game. Um, but I think the Lions can run a little bit. They've, they've really made a concerted effort this year. Now they're going to get 
possibly DeAndre Swift back. They think he's going to be back. You've got Jamal Williams, who's been solid all year. But uh, the, the emergence of Craig Reynolds, uh, another undrafted rookie free agent, who's had a, a really nice year. And the O-line's been good. So I feel good about the Lions if they're, gonna, if they're not going to have Goff and they've got to go with Tim Boyle, that, you know, raucous crowd, might be cold, you know, late afternoon game there in Seattle, that they can get that ground game going. I think they'll have a chance. But, again, I don't know who's blocking with the tight ends. They use extra offensive linemen sometimes. But if you're the Lions, I think you're going to feel okay if you can get Swift out in space, Williams and Reynolds all some touches, and that's kind of the route that you go. Um, how, how do you look at it from Seattle's defensive standpoint? So I don't think the Seahawks' defense is as bad as the picture you painted, although last week they certainly had some drives where they got chunked by the Bears, which mystified me. I did not expect to see that with them being without their top receiver, missing linemen, being on their third-string quarterback, even though Nick Foles is a Super Bowl winner. Uh, just didn't expect to see that. But this is a defense that's been in the top five, top six in the scoring defense for most of the season. They've got some players. You mentioned Bobby Wagner, still a very good linebacker. Their other linebacker, Jordan Brooks, I would make an argument actually past Bobby Wagner at this point. I think he's been wow. that good for them. He's He's been a fantastic first-round pick, which I can't remember the last time I said that about anybody that John Schneider picked in the first round, but he's ended up being a really solid pick. But actually, I'm going to play it the same way that you just did. You know, we can talk concerning matchups, but I'm going to look where there might be an advantage. And I actually like the Seahawks corners in this game against the Lions receivers with the losses they had in the offseason. And even though Amandra St. Brown has had a really good rookie year, I like this cornerback group. They're going to have DJ Reed back from the COVID list, and he was playing at a Pro Bowl level before he was deactivated a couple weeks ago. Sidney Jones has been a revelation at the other corner spot. And Seattle's run defense, yeah, they gave a big run last week to Cleo Herbert, but they've been one of the best in the league, around 3.7 yards per carry this year. they got a couple big dudes in the middle, like Al Woods has been fantastic this year. So I don't know that the Lions can run the ball on him. And if you've got Tim Boyle playing quarterback and he's trying to throw to that receiving group against a secondary that I like the corners the Seahawks have, this could be a game where Sidney Jones or DJ Reed finally gets an interception. That's been another weird stat this year. No interceptions for any of Seattle's corners, even though they have played pretty well for most of the season. It's interesting um, because, like I said, I've not watched the Seahawks like you have. And certainly, like you said, the ranking. I've had so much respect for what Seattle's done for so many years that maybe I watch this defense now. And I know last year was tough, and that was a COVID year, and their defense was not as good. That brutal. But, like, to me, I, I look at Pete Carroll, I look at – all the guys, the Earl Thomases and, and Chancellors and, and Wagner and KJ and all those guys from back in the day. And I just, I guess I was spoiled because Seahawks are on all the time. I mean, you know, I, I just, I don't, I think that the defense, like you said, I think they're well coached enough to know that if they just decide to put eight or nine guys in the box and don't let Tim Boyle beat them, if it ends up being Tim Boyle, not the Jared Goff, if even, even if he's healthy, it will be great by any stretch of the imagination. But the Lions offensive line is just, for some odd reason, it's been really good. It's been better than I thought. And Frank Ragnow is their best guy, and he's been out all year. And Evan Brown, the backup center, has done a nice job. So um, I like what the Lions have done. I don't think they're going to score a ton of points, but they've 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 possessed the ball enough to be in these games. Whether it was Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and those are teams that are better than the Seahawks, at least this year. And so that's why I feel like maybe they can run the football a little bit. I, I think the, the lack of tight ends is going to be a, a huge problem this weekend, though, for Detroit, because 
you're the Seahawks. There's no reason to prep for any tight ends. They're not going to get the football. They're just not. Thanks for making this Locked On podcast special your first listen from Locked On Seahawks and Locked On Lions every day. Make sure to check out the Ultimate College Football Playoff Preview 2021, local experts' betting advice and draft analysis. The most comprehensive college football playoff preview is live now. Let's get to some keys to victory here. And obviously that's been something that's been pretty elusive for both of these teams this year. The Lions with only two wins, the Seahawks at five and ten. These teams haven't been in the win column very much, but they both love a chance to add to that. And as you mentioned, the Lions, there's kind of an interesting dynamic to this that if they win this game, it actually hurts them with their draft positioning. They could get one of the top couple picks. Winning this game would actually drop them down a peg or two. And so Dan Campbell is going to say, we want to win all their games out, but that's something in the back of your mind that you're thinking about. Nonetheless, you're figuring the guys on the roster now don't care about that. They want to win games. What do the Lions need to do to come into Lumen Field and get that third win of the season here in Week 17? Well, again, they're going to have to run the football and keep Russell Wilson off the field. Uh, Jack Fox is a punter, has uh, really been good and has been good the last two years. was a Pro Bowler a year ago. Flipping the field and keeping Wilson back and not giving him it. You give Russell Wilson a short field in what could be his last game at home. I just think could be cause for concern and disaster if, if you're Detroit. Um, but I think the Lions are going to stick around because, like I said, I think they can run the football a little bit. Uh, they kind of play keep away with it. Um, the fourth downs, you'll see Dan Campbell goes for it. Doesn't matter if it's fourth and five at his own 35 or fourth and one. Uh, they're going. Um, they want to keep the other team's offense off the field because the defense is not that great. So I think the Lions, that'll be a key for Detroit. Like I said, and, and and I'll be interested in watching Riley Patterson, their rookie kicker, who they finally have found a kicker. Corbin, they've been through seven kickers this year since they let Matt Prater go. And um, I could name them all, but that's boring. <laughs> but basically, Patterson's been good. He's been perfect on field goals. How is he going to kick at Lumen with the winds and that crowd? Um, not an easy place to kick. Uh, so watch, watch for that, too. A couple of missed field goals could be the d- story of this game. What do you got? I think, you know, I could mention, you know, you just put nine, ten guys up in the box and stop the Lions run game. If they've got Tim Boyle playing quarterback, then maybe that's exactly what the Seahawks and will ultimately do. But I think it's boiling down to more than just stopping the run game. You've got to find a way to shorten possessions. And this has been a problem for the Seahawks defense all year long is that, yeah, they've been good at limiting touchdowns. They're one of the best defense in the NFL for red zone defense, but They'll sit out there and just give up dink and dunk first downs and th- on third down, they'll give up conversions and they can't get off the field and it drives you berserk. And they did it against the Bears last week. The Bears went seven for 14 with a third string quarterback and a bunch of other backups in the lineup. They were able to sustain drives. They had a bunch of 10, 11, 12 play scoring drives. The Seahawks cannot let the Lions do that. They can't let them dictate the line of scrimmage. They can't let them sustain lengthy drives where they're chewing up clock. That has been a huge Achilles heel for this team. And you want to keep a team that's a two-win team in the game? They just let the Bears do it last week by having those long drives where they got some confidence moving the chains. And so you can boil it down to stopping the run or stopping boil. <laughs> you can you can try to look at it individually like that, but they've got to find a way to get off the field, which has just been something that they've been too inconsistent at doing 
this season. And I think on the offensive side of the football, you know, you mentioned the Lions running the ball. I want to see the Seahawks get that run game going and stick with it. Rashad Penny has had a resurgence here the last four games, finally healthy, playing like the player they thought they drafted out of San Diego State with almost 350 rushing yards the last four weeks. And this is a Lions defense that's had some issues defending the run at times this year. So, yeah, you think Russell Wilson going to have some advantage on the outside, and I think he will, but you want to get those pass rushers slowed down a little bit, run the football at him, get that play-action game working off of it, then you can get those big plays to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I think if they can do that, again, it's a big if here because it's been a team that just has not played near to their capabilities this year. But if they can do those things, this could be that game where they're able to get a comfortable lead and actually secure it. Even though I have a lot of respect for what the Lions have done this year and how gritty they've been with the injuries and, and the lack of talent they have, Seattle should be able to win this game going away. But again, the key word is they should be able to. This year, they just have not been able to put teams away and they haven't been able to finish games. Yeah, it's, a, it's never an easy place to play with the, with the 12th man and, and everything else. Like I said, the Lions valiantly have played very, very hard. But when you're down to practice squad tight ends, practice squad uh, uh, defensive backs, we'll see the rest of the week with the COVID situation and how many guys get back. I think it's too daunting of a task for the Lions to win this game. Uh, but again, I wouldn't surprise me, you know, if they're right in this thing at the end. And, you know, the Seahawks have been so iffy in putting, like you said, putting teams away. And, oh my gosh, Seattle. I mean, Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, five wins? It's unheard of. So, uh, that's kind of where I'm at with this, Corbin, as well. I'm kind of with you about it. I think the Seahawks win, but don't think it'll be easy for them. Yeah, I think the Seahawks will win too, which means the Lions have a very good chance of winning because this has been my worst year <laughs> predicting games. I, I went 12-4 and four last year, and this year I've gotten three games right on the season. It just has not gone my way with predictions. Well, so I'm going to keep this thing it. going here, and I – I think the Seahawks are actually going to have a decent game on offense. I think they're going to put up 30. I think it's going to be a 30-17 to 17 win. I think the Lions will hang tough with them, in part because that's what the Seahawks do. They let teams hang around, especially this year. But I think, unlike last week, they're going to find a way to win. And again, there's a lot riding on this game because this could be the last home game that Russell Wilson plays in. This could be the last home game that Pete Carroll coaches in. There's a lot on the line here. Even Bobby Wagner, like he told the media today, you know, there, there's always a chance that this could be my last season. He's thought about his future being an older mm. player. So there's a lot at stake being a, the last home game of the season. You're not going to the playoffs. And I, I think that is going to be enough motivation for the Seahawks to get the job done. But I have a lot of respect for what Matt Campbell is building in Detroit. Corbin, don't take it personally that nobody expected Seattle to go five and ten. So, but uh, pleasure to uh, join you, my friend, and we'll see what happens on Sunday. Yep, I think it's going to be a fun game, even though it's two teams not going to the playoffs. And the exciting thing at the end of the year, when you've got a young team that isn't going to the postseason, you get to see those players develop. You get to evaluate them. I'm hoping the Seahawks do that with some of their young guys that maybe haven't gotten a lot of opportunities the first 15 games of the year. Let some of those young guys show what they can do and, and try to prepare for the future. Something the Seahawks haven't done at this time of year normally because they're usually gearing up for the playoffs. Won't get to do that this year. For Locked On Seahawks, I'm Corbin Smith. For Locked On Lions, he's Matt Derry. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the game.